The Chicago Blackhawks put up one of their better efforts of the entire season, but it still wasn't enough to overcome Connor McDavid and the Oilers. On today's episode, I'll break down Taylor Radish and Joey Anderson returning to the lineup, Connor Bedard's injury timeline with a fractured jaw, and I'll also be dishing out midseason grades to Alex Vlasic, Kevin Korchinski, and Lucas Reichel. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And also make sure to go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, if you like what you're watching today, then please make sure to go and help me out by hitting the like button, commenting down below as to whether you agree or disagree with some of the grades that I'll be giving out here today. And also make sure you're subscribed to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. It's 100% free, won't cost you anything, and really does go a long way for yours truly. So please make sure to take care of that real quick. And I also got to let you know, today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by FanDuel, the best place to bet on the NFL all throughout the postseason. Sign up today and start earning bonus bets with any $5 money line bet at America's number one sports book. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Again, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. First, want to say I do apologize for getting the episode out a little bit later here today. It was kind of a busy afternoon for me. And also, I did hear following the Blackhawks game with the Edmonton Oilers last night that we would be getting some updates on the status of number one overall pick, Connor Bedard, who, of course, fractured his jaw last Friday in a game against the New Jersey Devils. We now have an official timeline on that, so that was a reason why I kind of wanted to wait to get the episode out a little later today because I know everyone's going to be antsy to get all of the updates on Connor Bedard. Uh, but yeah, a lot to break down here on today's show. Also wanted to say, Hope everyone out there had some really safe travels yesterday. The snow came in an abundance here in the Chicagoland area. And I know for me personally, uh, a little bit of a sketchy drive home from work. I was white knuckling it on my steering wheel for a good 45 minutes to an hour. So I hope everyone stayed safe with all the weather and everything that went down yesterday. And looks like we could be getting more snow here in the area over the weekend. But what I wanted to begin the show with here today, folks, is, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks. yes. They lost again last night to the Edmonton Oilers. The final result wasn't all that surprising, but what was surprising was the effort that the Blackhawks put out and how close they kept this game and how well they shut down the Oilers' offense that had been running red hot here as of late. But before I get into the game itself, I do want to start with some of the latest injury updates as Taylor Radish and Joey Anderson made their returns to the lineup last night. Taylor Radish had been dealing with a groin injury. Joey Anderson had a shoulder problem. Both of them returned to the lineup last night, which is just so nice rather than, you know, with each passing game, more and more guys getting hurt. Now we're starting to get some of them back. So that's a welcomed change of pace. Radish skated on the Blackhawks top line with Philip Kershev and Rem Pitlick, who 
also made his team debut after being acquired from the Pittsburgh Penguins over the weekend in exchange for a seventh round pick going from the AHL right to the Blackhawks top line and got opportunities on their power play as well. But I think this is something that the broadcast really made an emphasis on last night. Just a lot of good opportunities for some of these players like a Rem Pitlick or like a Zach Sanford, who we also just acquired off of waivers. Jacob Megna has been awesome along with Alex Vlasic on the Hawks' second defensive pairing. Jason Dickinson, Colin Blackwell, they're making the most of their opportunities right now. So that's something to keep an eye on, even though you know the situation is pretty dire for the Blackhawks with all the key pieces they have out does provide an opportunity for a lot of other guys to make their mark here on the Blackhawks organization and solidify themselves as NHLers by making the most of this opportunity. But nice to see Taylor Radish back. Joey Anderson back on the second line as well. He skated with Jason Dickinson and Colin Blackwell, who I just mentioned. That trio was absolutely phenomenal for the Blackhawks last night. Undoubtedly their best line, that trio, uh, combined for a expected goals for percentage at five on five above 90%. And they were the trio that contributed for the Blackhawks lone goal of the game. And then also following practice here today, Seth Jones, Nick Foligno, and don't forget about this kid, Blackhawks fans, Samuel Savoie were all seen skating ahead of the Blackhawks practice this morning on their own, which is definitely a good sign. Seth Jones, Nick Foligno, as far as their statuses go, we have heard some positive things on Seth that he could be nearing a return. So if I had to guess, maybe he'll be good to go by Friday in Dallas. I think that's still a little bit early, though. I I would imagine next Tuesday when the Blackhawks are at the UC taking on the San Jose Sharks as a potential date to circle for Seth Jones to return and possibly Nick Foligno as well coming off of a uh, dislocated finger, I believe is the official injury that he dealt with. And then for Samuel Savoie, no, he's not going to be an NHLer with the Blackhawks this year, but some of you may remember back in the preseason, he suffered a really scary injury going feet uh, feet first into the boards, uh, broke his femur and had to undergo surgery. The original diagnosis was that he was going to miss the entirety of the season, but looks like he could be joining his new team in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Quebec Maritime Junior Hockey League, I should say, as the name has officially been changed. Uh, but he was actually traded from the Quebec Remparts to the Roy Naranda Huskies. And there was a report that came out a few weeks ago that he could be joining the team in like four to six weeks, which now would be like two to three weeks. So looks like some positive news on Samuel Savoy. Looks like some positive news on Seth Jones and Nick Foligno. They could also be rejoining the Blackhawks lineup sometime soon, like Taylor Radish and Joey Anderson did last night. Also, got to get into the big news here, Blackhawks fans. A big reason why I waited to get this episode out in the afternoon, like I said. And that's because we got the official injury diagnosis for Connor Bedard, who suffered a fractured jaw. We now know that Bedard is going to be out six to eight weeks because of that injury, which is a little bit longer than we anticipated. I talked yesterday, four to six weeks is kind of the standard timeline for players who suffer a similar type of injury, but six to eight weeks means Bedard's on track to return somewhere between uh, mid to late February and early March, which, yes, means he will not be playing in the NHL All-Star game. A really unfortunate set of circumstances for the Chicago Blackhawks, man. Bedard had been such a bright spot for this team throughout all of their struggles, and to not be watching him now for another month, month and a half, two months, yeah, that definitely sucks. The one thing I will say, though, Blackhawks fans, yes, it does suck for 
our boy Bedsy that he's got a fractured jaw and it's not a fun injury to deal with. He's going to have to be drinking through a tube probably for a little bit here. Jared Tenorti, who suffered a uh, similar injury last year, kind of went through all of that and said himself that he doesn't wish it on his worst enemy. So that definitely sucks for Connor Bedard. But listen, Blackhawks fans, we still kind of got lucky here at the end of the day. This wasn't a knee injury, uh, a shoulder injury, a wrist injury, anything that can really affect with Connor Bedard's skill set. It's a jaw injury. And I, I think the big reason why the Blackhawks are keeping him out or give him the six to eight week timeline is because they want to be safe. They don't want anything to happen. They don't want to rush him back for really no reason to have him suffer a more detrimental injury to that. So they just want to be careful with their baby boy, which I firmly understand. But at the same point in time, these six to eight weeks, I don't imagine Connor Bedard is going to be off the ice very much. Like as we've learned in the first half of his first NHL season, this kid eats, breathes, and sleeps hockey. And keeping him off the ice has like been a legitimate problem here early on in the season, uh, which is kind of funny. The, the kid just loves the game. He wants to do it, wants to play the game all hours of every day. So with a fractured jaw, he's still going to be able to go out there and work on his stick handling, work on his craft. He could still, you know, go out there and not just get rusty over these next handful of weeks. So it could have definitely been worse. Is it ideal? Absolutely not, Blackhawks fans. But a fractured jaw is certainly better than a knee, wrist, hand, any of those injuries, really. I know it sucks for Mr. Connor Bedard, but um, this is still going to give him an opportunity to be working out in the gym, getting stronger, still skating from time to time. So uh, yeah, it sucks, but it also could have been worse at the same point in time. But we do know Connor Bedard's not going to be playing in the NHL All-Star game this year, which is such a huge bummer for both us Blackhawks fans and the rest of the NHL and their fans. I know a lot of people were probably stoked to see Bedard not only suit up in the All-Star game, but the skills competitions and what he could do out there. It would have been a lot of fun. So really does blow that we got robbed of that just a couple of days after he was announced as the youngest player in NHL history to ever make an NHL All-Star game. Fortunately, he's not going to be playing in it. But I do want to talk for a quick second about this Blackhawks performance from the Edmont, uh, against the Edmonton Oilers last night because, man, even though they lost 2-1, to one, it was one of their better performances all season long. They somehow wound up on the right side of all the analytics, outshot the Edmonton Oilers, had more high danger chances, had more scoring chances. And in the final 40 minutes, I believe they limited Edmonton to seven shots on goal and they held them to just 15 for the game, which is their season low. And during this recent run of theirs where they had been red hot, um, they had been averaging like 24, 25 shots at the very least. Um, so for the Blackhawks to do what they did defensively last night was pretty gosh darn impressive. I will say we did catch the Oilers clearly on an off night. They were just making some shoddy plays. And um, also they had two goals wiped off of the board, both coming a la Connor McDavid. Um, one of them was a uh, assist of his. Another was a goal that got wiped off. But yeah, there was some luck that went into it and McDavid still got his. That's ultimately why the Blackhawks wound up losing this game. But that type of structured, shutdown, grind it out, make it hard on your opponent type of style, that's what the Blackhawks need to try to find a little bit more consistently here. And I know that's the issue, but if they're able to put up those types of efforts against many other NHL teams. There are going to be better days for this club. Like they do what they did defensively last night against the Oilers. They're going to find themselves in the thick of a lot of games, even without some key players out of the lineup. So it was really awesome to see the Blackhawks have 
a nice performance after, you know, coming off of a, a really much needed win against the Calgary Flames on Sunday. No, they weren't able to pick up their second consecutive victory, but they did put together their second consecutive solid effort. And hopefully we can build off that a little bit moving forward. Defensively, though, the Blackhawks were dynamite. Alex Vlasic and Jacob Megna, they've played four games together since Megna has been claimed off of waivers. They have legitimately turned into a true shutdown pairing. And Jacob Megna just plays a very simple, straightforward game. Uses his big body to skate the puck out of harm's way. Makes good exit passes. Doesn't do anything fancy. Kind of like Alex Vlasic. And it's been working really well together. And I also got to give a lot of credit to Nikita Zaitsev because... I'm not the only one guilty of this. I think many Blackhawks fans out there are as well. But we've dogged Nikita Zaitsev really ever since he's been a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'll tell you what, the last three weeks, the last month, he, he's actually been pretty good. And once Seth Jones returns, given the struggles that Jared Tenorti has had, really, Tenorti was uh, the one who kind of cost the Blackhawks last night. I think he got beat in transition three times in the opening like 15 minutes of the game. It wasn't very pretty. And I know it's Connor McDavid. He's the fastest skater in the world. But still, as a veteran, you got to have some better play recognition than that. But with Zaitsev's play as of late, I think he's certainly deserving of still being in the lineup over Jared Tenorti whenever Seth is able to return. He had a really solid night last night in uh, all aspects of the game, one of his better games of the season. So we can start getting more performances like that out of some guys on the back end. That's also going to aid in the Blackhawks being able to hang in there and remain competitive against other teams than uh, we've seen so far in the last couple of weeks. All right, there are my thoughts from last night's hard-fought 2-1 to loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Coming up in just a moment here, it's time to get into part two of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. While the NFL regular season has come to an end, the offers with FanDuel stay running because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed with any $5 money line bet. Yes, you heard me correctly. You no longer have to win your $5 money line bet. You just got to go and place one during the NFL playoffs and you'll get $150 worth of bonus bets credited into your account. So if you've been thinking about signing up for FanDuel, there's legitimately no better time to get in on the action right now because all you have to do is place a $5 bet on any team in the playoffs, the Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, the Green Bay Packers, whoever it may be, and you'll get $150 worth of bonus bets that you can use to bet on everything from the point spreads to money lines, over-unders, player props, and much, much more, all on an app that's safe secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of the National Football League. Segment two, for those who may have missed it, yesterday I began dishing out my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades as we are now officially right at the midway point of the 2023-2024 NHL regular season. And boy, the first half has been a whirlwind. I can't believe we're only at the halfway mark. But yesterday I started uh, by giving grades to the IR boys, Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, Seth Jones, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson, since you know they weren't able to play in the Blackhawks midway point game last night. Their first halves had already been wrapped up, so I figured I'd start with those guys. Make sure to go and check out yesterday's episode if you haven't already to go and see what grades I gave to 
uh, the Blackhawks players that are currently on IR. But getting into part two here today, and I imagine I'll probably be wrapping this up tomorrow or Friday with part three. But for part two here today, I want to be getting into the youngins, the youngsters that are on the Chicago Blackhawks. And also, I do want to make sure to quickly reiterate for those that didn't tune in yesterday, my requirement in order for me to give a player a grade is that they had to have played in at least half of the Blackhawks games during the first half of the regular season, just because you need a pretty good sample size to give an honest assessment on what these guys have done. Some of them haven't just played in enough games for me to really give a true feeling. So that's why I like to do it that way. It also cuts down on the number of grades I have to give out, given how many players have suited up for the Blackhawks this year. That could be like an hour and a half long episode. But kicking things off for part two out of the youngins, I'm going to start with 21-year-old forward Lucas Reichel, man, who uh, it's been a struggle for him here in the first half of the regular season. And that wasn't the expectation that we had for him going into this year because based on what he did towards the end of last season on the Blackhawks top line really ended with a uh, an exclamation point to his season. And with that, I think all of us Blackhawks fans felt safe saying, that it was time for Lucas Reichel to be a full-time NHL or that his days of playing with the Rockford Icehogs were officially over. But those questions remained all throughout the first half because Lucas Reichel just looked nothing like he did at the end of last season. The consistency has certainly been an issue. Yeah, he's kind of been juggled up and down the lineup. And I certainly didn't agree with Luke Richardson playing him on the fourth line for like a seven, eight game stretch. I don't know. But still, Lucas Reichel hasn't really given the coaching staff many reasons. I do believe they should be bumping him up in the lineup and giving him these opportunities regardless, but he hasn't given the coaching staff any reason to kind of trust them or feel like he's ready for those types of situations because he's had a couple of bright spots, but they've been few and far between in the nights where he's absent. He's a ghost. Those have been way more prevalent than the nights where He's looked like the player that he was last year where he can take over the game in transition with his speed and his playmaking abilities. And it looked like last year too, he was starting to develop that trust in himself and calling his own number and shooting the puck more with seven goals in 15 games. But we haven't seen much of that this season either. Reichel has played in 40 of the Blackhawks, 41 games here in the first half. He got one healthy scratching, I believe. It was in Minnesota against the Wild. But in those 40 games, only three goals and five assists for eight points. And last year in 23 games, Lucas Reichel had seven goals, eight assists, and 15 points. And basically all of these numbers, all of them, are down from last season. So it's hard to not be discouraged about Lucas Reichel. I'm not going to call him a bust or anything because still only 21. And I think that one thing to remember is he's still kind of a, a, I don't know if I can even say that at this point in time, he's kind of past that, but still a year ahead of their original development plan, right? And he's not going to turn 22 until this summer. He's still a young kid and he still has those flashes, but starting to get to that do or die time. I don't think it's right here right now, but first half of next season is going to be very crucial for Lucas Reichel and how the Blackhawks value him moving forward. In those 40 games, he only has one even strength goal as well, Blackhawks fans, which might be the most concerning. One even strength goal in 40 games. And out of all of Lucas Reichel's goals last year, seven, all seven of them came at even strength in 15, uh, or in 23 games worth of action. Excuse me, I've been saying 15. That's how long his second stint of last season was. 
uh, in 23 games last year. His seven goals were all at even strength. He's only got one in 40 games this year. Has to have you concerned. Two power play goals, which, yeah, is nice. I honestly would like to see him getting more time on the power play. Uh, one reason why I think the goal scoring is down, though, is Reichel is shooting 5.2% this year in comparison to 16.7% last year. Now, I didn't expect him to be uh, a 16% shooter again this season. I figured that was kind of kind of an outlier, but the way that his shot had been developing and growing, I figured he would be able to at least shoot in the double digits. And one also one also one other big problem with Lucas Reichel is he's only got 58 shots on goal in 40 games, and I just kind of wish he would take a play out of Jason Dickinson's playbook or Colin Blackwell. These guys are trying to shoot the puck every time they can because they know that's been a problem for this team all year long. And for a young guy like Lucas Reichel, I feel like at times he's probably out there trying to do too much, simplifying his game and just getting the puck on net. Those things are going to help kickstart him in the right direction. Even his time on ice is down this year as well. 14 minutes and 40 seconds compared to 16 minutes and 22 seconds last year. Uh, he's won 44.7% of his face-offs, but quite honestly, I think he's going to be a wing if he is going to be an NHLer for the Blackhawks. Uh, and then in terms of his Corsi 4%, 45.1%, which is, man, for this Blackhawks team. But what's concerning is he's been on the ice for 12 goals for at even strength to 37 against Lucas Reichel. The playmaking, the goal scoring, it's basically absent at even strength this year. And then defensively, I don't think he's been as consistent as I've wanted him to be either. So it's just kind of all a nightmare for Lucas Reichel here in the first half. Not how we wanted him to start his first full NHL campaign. I'm not calling him a bust. I'm not, I don't think it's the end of the world that Lucas Reichel is struggling. He doesn't have the best situation around him either right now, but man, it's frustrating that he didn't take that leap that we were hoping for following last season for those reasons. I'm going to give Lucas Reichel a D for his first half of the regular season. Go and comment down below as to what grade you would be giving Blackhawks forward Lucas Reichel. Next up, we have Philip Kurashev, 24 years old, just turned 24 not all that long ago. And what a year Kurashev is having. Kind of the tail, like the opposite of what Lucas Reichel has done. Uh, Kurashev was someone who the last two years, because of the Blackhawks not really having the strongest forward group, was getting top six opportunities, but never really showed, I thought, all that much upside that he could be a top six guy long term until this season, man. He has really made the most of his opportunities. In 34 games, he's already got eight goals and 15 assists for 23 points. Those eight goals are one off of his career high. Those 15 assists are also one off of his career high, and those 23 points are just three back of his previous career high as well. It has been a spectacular first half from Philip Kurashev. And even with Connor Bedard out recently, he's still been doing some good things offensively. And I got to give him a lot of credit. He has more in his uh, more in his arsenal than I really imagined. It's been a pleasant surprise to see how Philip Kurashev has uh, making, made the most of this chance so far here this season. And he's been doing it in all aspects, five even strength goals in 34 games He'd probably like to see his goal scoring be up a little bit, but I do think he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. He's chipped in for three power play goals, which is tied for the Blackhawks team lead with Nick Foligno and Tyler Johnson. He's also shooting 13.6%, which is up from uh, the 9.5% that he's been shooting throughout his career. Maybe that's a little bit of an outlier, but um, definitely the offensive abilities as a whole have developed rather nicely this season for Philip Kurashev. I also like how he's 
He's not a penalty killer, but it looks like he's taking on a little bit more defensive responsibility this season as well. He's blocked 24 shots and his career high is 34, already having 24 and 34 games. Suggests he's going to shatter that previous high. And then in terms of his Corsi 4 percentage, it's 47.1, which is pretty solid for a guy that uh, plays a meaningful role for this Blackhawks team at 18 minutes and 58 seconds of time on ice. That's up from 17.25 last year. And Kershaw has been on the ice for 33 goals for to 43 against. Not all that terrible for a top line guy on this Blackhawks squad, especially when his on ice save percentage is 86.0, probably one of the lowest among all Blackhawks players. So I think it's been a spectacular start to Philip Kershaw's third full NHL campaign. Um, I find it hard pressed to not give him an A. He's been awesome. And uh, it's not something that I envisioned, but I'm certainly glad that it's happened Go and comment down below if you agree that Philip Kershev is deserving an A for his performance here in the first half. Next up, we got Cole Gutman, 24-year-old forward, who, believe it or not, is actually older than Philip Kershev. He's going to turn 25 in April. Gutman just hit the margin of 22 games played here in the first half in order for me to give him a grade. Played in 14 games last year after uh, signing on with the Blackhawks following his senior season with the University of Denver. In those 22 games, he's got three goals, three assists for six points. Mostly been utilized in a bottom six role um, until as of recently because of all the injuries. Um, But for Gutman, I I think the thing that stands out about him is just his, his speed and his hustle and then combining that with a goal-scoring ability. I feel like he's always going to be, he's not going to be an offensive dynamo, but what he does provide offensively, I think is going to be more prominent in the goal-scoring department rather than uh, the playmaking. I think he really likes to call his own number. He trusts himself to shoot the puck, and those are the simplified game, uh, the simplified things that we like to see out of a youngster. So I'm happy with that. Not really any numbers to compare in terms of last season when Gutman only played in 14 games for the Blackhawks before suffering that season-ending shoulder injury. He is shooting 7.7% this year, which is down from 15.4%. So maybe a little bit of a bad puck luck is why he's only got three goals in 22 games compared to four and 14 last year. His time on ice, 12 minutes and 39 seconds, actually down from 14.34 last year, but probably just a result of... uh, the Blackhawks last year were giving him more of an opportunity late in the season after they had already traded everybody. What has been impressive about Gutman too, I know he's being used as a wing right now, but he's won 50% of his faceoffs this season and looks like he could be a center long-term for this Blackhawks squad. And then for the Corsi four, 45.1%, but on the ice for only seven goals for to 20 against at even strength in 22 games. So maybe he needs to tighten things up a little bit defensively, but at the same point in time, an 86.3 on ice save percentage from his goaltenders probably isn't doing him any favors, but um, I believe Cole Gutman has the smallest sample size out of anyone I'm going to be giving a grade to. I think it's kind of a mass start for Cole Gutman, but I do believe he's been playing better as of late, which I like to see. And I think he's shown some good chemistry with Lucas Reichel and is a guy who uh, looks like he's wanting to take advantage of this opportunity right here, right now as well. So for those reasons, I'm going to give Cole Gutman a flat B for his performance in the first half. All right, Blackhawks fans, coming up in just a moment, I will continue to give out midseason grades as I'll be getting into defenseman Kevin Korchinski and Alex Vlasic. But first, I need to talk to you all about Jace Medical. And I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? 
because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That is scary. And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. And that's why I'm here to present you all with the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial infections. And you can also go and customize your own case right now with your specific needs and preferences by visiting jacemedical.com and completing your physician encounter. It's never been more important to be prepared than right here, right now, today. Again, go to jacemedical.com and also use the promo code LOCKDOWN, uh, not in all caps, just the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off with your first order. Again, that's jacemedical.com. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, make sure to go and hit the like button, comment down below, and subscribe for Celebrini if you haven't done so already. And also, make sure to go and check out the new Lockdown Sports today because Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, segment three, picking up where I left off, getting into the two young Blackhawks defensemen that have been playing for uh, the most part here in the first half of the regular season, starting off with 19-year-old 2022 seventh overall pick Kevin Korchinski, who still won't turn 20 years old until June. Um, Probably in hindsight, I will say, and I don't think there was a wrong decision out of the two, but in hindsight, given Korchinski's defensive struggles, and I, I think a big part of that is just his physical maturity, right? Like he's still got some room to grow into, uh, still a really skinny kid. I don't ever expect him to be like jacked and filled out, but I, I think he can still get a little bit stronger, which is going to help him in those defensive areas because those have kind of been the biggest problems to me this season. And I also think he's just a little bit in over his head, given the role that he's had to play and the help that's out there with him isn't exactly ideal either. And I think that's led to Kevin Korchinski kind of, being put in a tough situation and even some of his offensive attributes haven't looked all that great this year. And he just hasn't been all that consistent, which, you know, you can expect from a 19 year old, but he's missing some easy passes. Doesn't really look comfortable running the Blackhawks top power play. It seems like he's reluctant for some reason to go and pull off the drop pass every time he's out there on the man advantage. So for those reasons, I feel like Going back to Seattle might have been the right call for Kevin Korchinski, but at the end of the day too, playing against grown men and learning the hard way, there's something to be said about that. And all things considered, it hasn't been like a nightmare first half for Kevin Korchinski like it's been for Lucas Reichel. We just haven't been able to see him kind of get into a flow, get into a comfort yet, but those things take time, especially for young offensive defensemen that are still trying to find their footing in the defensive zone as well. In his first 35 games this season, Kevin Korchinski has tallied two goals, one of them an awesome overtime winner against the Toronto Maple Leafs, along with six assists for eight points, uh, minus 21 in the plus-minus area, which isn't all that surprising. Both of his goals have been even-strength goals, which I kind of alluded to. I don't think he's really taken that opportunity to man the Blackhawks' top power play unit with Seth Jones out and run with it like I kind of had hoped. 
Uh, also shooting 5.1% with 39 shots. I think Korchinski could be a little bit more aggressive with the puck on his stick at the point. Uh, he is averaging 20 minutes of ice time, though, a night in his rookie campaign as a 19-year-old. Kind of like uh, Connor Bedard is the leading Blackhawks forward in ice time, but about 20 minutes per game is nothing to bat an eye at for Kevin Korchinski. That's a really meaningful role, and that's why I think um, also like has kind of played a part in his struggles. Like With Seth Jones out, there have been some nights where Kevin Korchinski has led the Blackhawks in ice time, which a 19-year-old defenseman, there's going to come some struggles when that's the case. So I'm not going to be too hard here on Kevin Korchinski. I like to see him blocking 44 shots in his first 35 games. Um, that's something that he's going to have to add to his arsenal as well, even if he always is going to be an offensive-minded defenseman. There's going to be a time where you're going to need to step in front of some shots and take one for the team, bud. Uh, and then in terms of his analytics, 48.5% at the Corsi, been on the ice for 26 goals, 4 to 41 against in 35 games at even strength. So, like I said, some defensive issues a little bit, um, but I'm not going to be too hard on Kevin Korchinski. The situation isn't ideal, and there's clearly still so much runway there. I mean, the way that he's able to skate, his play recognition in the offensive zone and in transition when he knows to jump up in on a rush, it's been excellent. So I think Kevin Korchinski still has a very bright future ahead of him. Uh, maybe he hasn't lit it up the way that we had hoped, but again, not an ideal situation. For those reasons, I'm going to give the 2022 seventh overall pick a flat B for his performance in the first half. Make sure to go and comment down below as to whether you agree or disagree with that grade. And then last, but certainly certainly not least, we're getting to 22-year-old defensive defenseman Alex Vlasic, who I'll tell you what, Blackhawks fans, I was thinking about this before recording the show. Yes, Connor Bedard has been amazing, and he's exceeded the hype. He is that special. I don't know if any Blackhawks player, though, has impressed me the way that Alex Vlasic has this season, folks. He is already a number one defenseman ranking in the top 20 in the NHL of all defensemen in uh, expected goals for at five on five. He's in the top 20 playing basically a shutdown role for this dogwater Chicago Blackhawks team. He has been phenomenal all season. Alex Vlasic is a plus eight. Alex Vlasic is a plus eight on this Blackhawks team in 35 games. And I know plus minus isn't a meaningful stat, but God darn for a defensive defenseman who doesn't contribute much offensively, that is really impressive out of Alex Vlasic. And I also think his playmaking and his puck moving abilities have gotten better as the year's gone on. Uh, he's already got nine assists in 35 games this year after having only two in his first 21 NHL games. 10 points on the season. He's averaging 20 minutes and 33 seconds of time on ice, which uh, is up from the 19 minutes and 38 seconds that he saw in six NHL games last year. He really has turned into the de facto number one defenseman for the Blackhawks with Seth Jones out. And even with Seth Jones, I already think Alex Vlasic is the best defenseman on this Blackhawks team. Just plays such a simplified game with that long reach that big body of his, he's blocked 70 shots this year, which is uh, up from 16 that he had in his first 15 NHL games. He's got 28 takeaways. And like I said, I, I think the playmaking and the puck moving has started to show signs of improvement as well on that side of the puck. So I'm ecstatic with what I've seen out of Alex Vlasic. I think you have to solidify him now as a piece to the puzzle on the back end for the Blackhawks because he's already a top-pairing defenseman at 22 years old with not a whole lot of help around him. So I I'm super excited about Alex Vlasic, man. 
And I was excited about him when the Blackhawks drafted him in the second round back in 2019. I'll never forget running around my house screaming because I was that pumped up because I loved what Alex Vlasic did for the United States Development Program. And this is what I thought he could be, a true shutdown, big-bodied, long-reach defensive defenseman. He's knocked it out of the park so far here in the first half, in my opinion, for that reason. I'm not just going to give Alex Vlasic an A. I'm going to give Alex Vlasic an A+. All right, that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Again, thank you all for joining me. And make sure to go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey and go and follow my personal at Jack Bushman too. Make sure to go and subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. And also make sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Until next time, folks, everyone be safe out there. Stay safe with more snow coming this way. I'll see you next time on the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.